Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 44. cooking it's on stage two i did the two hours of uh pressure cooking to make it into chicken bone broth and now i do a second pass in the instant pot to turn it into tom yum bone broth it's delicious i drink it every morning when i'm here it's kind of crazy because now when i'm in new york i wake up in the morning and for years when i was in new york i was like oh this is great i'm just gonna go to jubilee and get a bacon egg and cheese on a sesame bagel like i did for all the years i lived right next door to jubilee but now i wake up and i'm like i just want my bone broth I just want my Tom Yum bone broth. It's a secret fantasy of mine that someday after I leave tech, I will get into the Tom Yum bone broth business. Nobody out there is making Tom Yum bone broth. So, uh, you know, that's my, that's my big shot at, at fortune. Yeah, I'm going to do it. What else is going on in Chatham County? we got a bonfire tonight at the Neighbors. I'm very excited about it. It's been a while. It should be cool, cool enough. And, uh, yeah, it'll be good. I have a couple beers. Uh, you know, today's kind of a crappy day because I went to the movies and had some popcorn. So you might as well put all my cheating this week into the same day. And uh, what else? What else? Uh, I went to a lunch yesterday, met a new person. My friend Ari Levine up in New York introduced me to her. She was pretty cool. She also moved down here from New York, but she's been here longer than me. She's been here like six years, and she uh, definitely likes it more enthusiastically shall we say than i do i mean i really like it here it's really growing on me i'm not gonna lie but she is adamant and she doesn't really miss new york which uh you know even though i go back a lot more than her i can't really say the same thing so i'm just gonna you know but yeah it was good it's good we went to a really weird cool like korean tex-mex or tex-korean cord-tex <laughs> place uh it was huge and it was very much like austin it had but it had like five different outdoor areas when there's like a small one like casino El camino and then there was like a giant one like the scoot in it was crazy there's like a ton of them yeah i never even knew it it was kind of like right off of 15501 over towards durham but i i didn't know about it it was amazing so you know it's kind of weird i mean i will be learning things about this place for years you know right like fairbanks i lived you know 18 years and pretty much knew every nook and cranny in boston off and on for like 13 years i kind of got to know pretty much everything although not really outside of boston proper barely even somerville if i'm being honest but uh and you know new york's just so big you don't really feel like you can ever know it but at this place you feel like you can like think uh, yeah i could get to know it all but nope you have no idea man there's a ton of stuff going on in those off of those access roads <laughs> uh, but the big thing this last two weeks is that i've been writing music again it's very exciting uh, that's why i skipped doing my podcast last week i was really in the zone with a song and i just wanted to work on it all weekend and it's happening again this weekend i just want to be working on my song i've already given it like i'm on another song now it's a, it's a second song and I, i've already given it a few hours this morning when i was watching jane but i just want to get back to it but I figured if I did everything else that I wanted to do on the weekend, all the chores, all the grocery shopping, go to a movie, do my podcast, get my bone broth done. If I do everything today, then tomorrow I can just heads down and work on the song for like five hours, which will be pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited about that. This is a good one. This is a good one. I, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I've been wanting to write more, more music for a long time, and I have been sort of dabbling around uh, different stuff since I moved here. But, you know, I kept telling people the problem is that every song sounds like a completely different band, you know, and and it, what, I wasn't sure what I wanted to sing about lyrically. I had a lot of songs, but not a lot of lyrics. But I finally found a I found a groove. It's 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 I don't know. It makes me feel good. I can't say it's super accessible. <laughs> Uh, but also it is very accessible. It's more accessible than you might think. It sounds like music. It sounds like music that you might hear on the radio, <laughs> a really good radio station. But, uh, you know, lyrically at times it could be a bit impenetrable, but also not. I'm trying to make them poppy and catchy. So I don't know. I don't know. Og told me one of the songs sounded like Edward Cospell, which I thought was pretty promising. Uh, definitely not for, you know, worldwide fame and fortune, but that's not really what I'm going for here. So that's okay. And also I, I, I pretty heavily ripped off a song that Og and I both know on that one, and I'm glad he didn't realize it. So that's a good sign. I, I changed it significantly by the end, but, you know, the fact that it wasn't the first thing he mentioned, that's uh, kind of a, a way I work a lot of the time. And, uh, I remember reading this book about New Order and The Cure, and they kept ripping each other's bass lines off in the early days. And so I kind of do the same thing. I get a song in my head, but I don't really go listen to it. I just sort of make a half-assed cover version of it without checking any chords of how I hear it in my head. And, you know, even after the first, like, you lay down the basic tracks, it sounds totally different. But it always makes me feel a little bit like I'm cheating. But anyway, I don't know. You know, my big breakthrough, like, my, my, my breakthrough here was I just got this, like, $35 MIDI controller. And I hooked it up to the computer I work at during the day. I've always sort of like when we moved in here, I thought I'd have different zones for different things. And I had like a, my whole studios over there with an older used computer that we had laying around. And then over here in this corner, I did my writing, but that wall started to break down when I started doing this podcast and I put this microphone here and I think now it just, it's going, man. I'm like making music over here. So then I've been thinking maybe I should just rearrange this whole studio and like get everything accessible because right now I'm just doing this all in logic. It's all sampled instruments. All my other instruments are over on the other side of the room with the audio interface. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I don't know, maybe I'll get these to where they are here and then, you know, over on the weekends, I'll work over there. I don't really know what the process is going to be. Uh, I'm kind of thinking that it might be fun to rearrange a studio though. It's been a couple of years, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a kind of like a Zen cone to, uh, when you're, when you're creatively blocked, rearrange or clean your studio. Right. So, but I, right now I'm not creatively blocked. So maybe it would just be like something that slows me down. I don't know. I'm just going to keep going. After the first song, I was like really worried. I was like, oh my God, uh, I'm not going to think of another one as great as this. And then I was reading a book and I like read a cool little story and I like thought of a second song. I wrote all the lyrics on, when I was on the air train from JFK and my flight got diverted to JFK last week. Uh, oh, beeps. Okay, that's fixed. Anyway, I didn't get diverted to JFK. My flight got canceled, and the other flight I could get to New York was to JFK, so I was at JFK this week. It was cool. Uh, I like the train. I like the air train. I'm into it. Never really liked it when I lived there, but, you know, you land at rush hour, you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to take forever, so you just take the air train. Anyway, yeah, songwriting. It's going great. It's going great. Uh, Jane is doing well. She sits on my lap when I work on these songs. It's super cute. I'm trying to teach her to do like music conducting. I sit in her lap and we both sort of do conducting hands together. And, but uh, she's been great for me, but she's very, very clingy to, to Mama Emma. And it's been pretty hard on us. I mean, she just cries if she's not in her arms. I mean, you know, it's fine when I'm with her down here alone in the morning and Emma's not around. She doesn't like 
pine for her when she's not here, but as soon as she's in present, she just screams her head off. Like, and she wasn't sitting in her high chair anymore. And then she wanted to sit in the big girl chair. There's a lot of big girl stuff going on. I, she learned how to walk. Like I can go hand and she loves my hand and she walks and we let her walk to the car instead of carrying her to the car. And then that night when we were doing our walk around the neighborhood, she wouldn't get in her stroller because she's like, no man, you like, you walk with holding my hand now. And she does pretty well. She walks over half a mile before she like starts getting cranky and then she screams bloody murder when we put her in the stroller and then she's fine again so you know it's been a little rough uh yesterday was actually great it wasn't too bad yesterday so maybe this phase is slowly going away she also managed to give herself a giant shiner on her left eye yeah her left eye it's so weird me and emma were, emma were just sitting there in the game room she was right in front of us facing a wall with a bookshelf on her right and nothing else around and then like she just goes ah and like she cut her face and gave herself a black eye there was nothing sharp i mean i think it was probably her nail because we didn't cut her nails but i mean you know it's been a week and a half now and it's just now it's bruised all the way around her eye <laughs> she looks like oh, it's bad uh it, it started to fade today people don't seem to they, people seem very understanding they understand kids hurt themselves nobody's giving me like the look of death when i'm out at the grocery store or anything like that uh but you know with this growing up thing she also she doesn't like the big stroller anymore so we, we have one of those little ultra portable travel strollers i got it like before she was born because i envisioned i'd travel with her a lot more than i actually have been and she loves that thing so now we're just using that on the pavement which is not really awesome <laughs> but yeah you know i like our walks up and down the neighborhood every day it's great and is outside my window right now she was doing some power washing earlier she's been sort of battling the beaver dam she read up on it and you can knock their dams down but you can't mess with their lodges and the dam's been the beaver's been damming our pond and filling it up right to the height of the retaining water wall. And I'm like worried that it's going to like wash out with the big rain, but yeah, it seems fine. She's, she's on it. Emma is on it. So yeah, Jane's good. Jane's good. She's adorable. She's napping right now. I'll go get her after I'm done with this. So Emma can keep doing yard work. Uh, you know, I was just gone this week for three days. So I feel bad. I always like to play catch up. I'll do my mornings. And then some of Emma's afternoons over the weekend because she likes to do more chores on the weekend. I, I just, you know, work on my rock songs, right? Oh, they're going to be great. I will play them for you guys. I think they will, of course, debut on the podcast. One of them is close to being done. Uh, without a professional mix, I've never been a great mixer, and uh, I still hear a couple little like mistakes in it that I got to clean up. So maybe next week I'll I'll debut the first one. The whole project originally was just going to be me re-recording old demos of Rocket songs, ones that never got published, things that I liked and never really finished, or they're just in my head, and I was foisting on the band, but they didn't want to play and stuff like that. And I did one of those. I redid an old song from the original Rockets demo called Sky. Uh, the song was called Sky. The demo was called Rockets Demo. And uh, it sounded really good. And I like it. The other thing I'm trying to like uh, record down here in my low register instead of like up here where I always sing. I'm singing it down here now. And I'm like, you know, Tom Waits can do this. And the National can do this. And Leonard Cohen can do this. People can. I was just listening to Blackberry Bell by the Twilight Singers with Margo Lanigan. You know, come on, devil. Sweet talking fly on the wall. And I'm like, I could do that, you know, but uh, I need to uh, practice and figure out exactly what sort of delivery I want. It's been very hard because I end up singing it like I was in choir and church choir when I was a kid. So I'm always singing everything like this. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that, you know, I'm somewhere like Martin Lanigan. Yeah, so that's what's going on with that. I lost my train of thought. Mark Lanigan, man. Anyway, so music, uh, had one big order from Discogs. It was, it was quite a doozy too. It was, uh, six CDs, 
uh, Amp, which is like a space rock band, Perceptions Bliss Out 4 on, on uh, the, the Bliss Out series on, is that Darla Records or is that Bada Bing? Uh, yeah, I think it was one of those. Darla Records. And a uh, host of similar albums. He bought the Bright Back Morning Light self-titled CD, which is awesome. Bright Back Morning Light was a fantastic band. I cannot recommend them strongly enough. Uh, I discovered them when I was at the Slint All Tomorrow's Parties with my friends Ben and Og, and we walked in the room and they were playing. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. It's like if Mazzy Starr took codeine. <laughs> and so I bought all the records and then I bought them all again on vinyl. So I'm happy to sell that CD to someone. They're really, really, really great. Very, you know, if you Google them, they're like off the grid weirdos, you know, like still making music under a different name now. They're, they're great. Anyway, then he bought Heron Skin Trading Company, which is a fantastic band spun off from Loop, the English drone band. About their first album, Joe and 9G Hell, which I always liked, but I always liked their second album, Overvalence, a lot more. Uh, and this guy must be a Loop fan, because he also bought the main album, Motion Pool, which is a another Loop spinoff band. Heron's Kid Trading Company is kind of like more rock, and main is more like uh, drone noise, but they're both great. I was really into that whole thing. I have like all the main albums, Motion Pool and all the Hertz uh, and Corona. They had all the 10 EPs they put on in the early 90s, and you could buy them in these like vinyl box sets. I have all that stuff on vinyl. God, I'm obsessed. I have a problem. And Heron's Contained Training Company, same thing. I have Joe and 9G Hell already on vinyl. Uh, <laughs> I own too many records. It's just so absurd. <laughs> just looking like, oh, yeah, of course I own the Heron's Skin Training Company, Joe and, Joe and 9G Hell. I don't own the amp album on vinyl. I think I own a couple other amp on albums on vinyl, actually. I really, that was really nice. They're, they're more like, uh, are they part of the Michigan Space Rock scene? I don't think so. I took a pause there and looked it up, and Amp is not, they're, they're not from the Michigan scene, they're from the English space rock scene, sort of the same sort of group of people spun off from uh, Flying Saucer Attack and Third Eye Foundation, and I don't own any other albums by Amp on vinyl, but it turns out I do own six Amp 7 inches on vinyl, so that's pretty crazy, I didn't even know that. Uh, then he bought Pan American's self-titled album, when Pan American is sort of an electronic minimalist drone thing uh, related to Le Bradford, if I recall correctly, on Cranky Records. And uh, also from the Cranky School, he bought Stars of the Lid, Gravitational Pull versus the Desire for an Aquatic Life. So, I mean, this guy, man, he's... He's right all up in Rick's uh, 1997 or so space rock love with a twist of bright back morning light from the early aughts. So hats off to you, random dude in Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, but other than that, because the songwriting, I haven't really been listening to too much new music. I got a giant cue coming up. I'll try and plow through it this week. I'll be good. But uh, all I really listened to was uh, I listened to the last Cranberries album in the end because I was reading about Dolores O'Riordan and how she died when they she had just finished her vocals for that album. And it made me really depressing. And then I learned it depressed. And then I learned the album was called In the End. And that was really depressing, too. And it's pretty good. I didn't really like the Cranberries. This is a whole awkward story about me and my sister where she was playing the Cranberries when we lived together in 96. And I was too cool for school and I ripped the CD out of the CD player and I threw it down the street. It's still one of the things I feel worst about in my life. And it was really a sort of a, took a, my relationship with my sister took a nosedive for quite a lot of years from that situation. But, uh, it turns out the cranberries are okay, and I was even more of a douche than I thought I was all those years ago. And then I listened to the Cure live in Sydney version of Disintegration. I watched it, and it was on YouTube. I strongly recommend it. It's fantastic. Uh, you don't really need to look at it, though. <laughs> those guys are getting old. They're no lookers anymore. But uh, it's really good, and Disintegration's a great record, and I'm glad he did it. Um... 
I've seen the Cure a bunch, uh, two tours back. I saw him up in Boston with M83, and Emma and I went, and he played like five songs from Disintegration. I was so happy, but I missed the Disintegration tour. It was really painful. <laughs> I got to Boston to go to Boston University in 1990 in the fall, and I had just missed the Prayer tour, the Disintegration tour. It came through in the summer, and I did all this math. I was so excited to be in the real world, and I, I did this math around how many copies of Disintegration had sold in the United States, and how many people were in Boston, how many people were in my school. And I calculated there would be like 200 other people in my school that liked The Cure. And I was so excited. I was like, I will find them. And then I arrived at school and there was like just hundreds upon hundreds of people walking around in prayer tour shirts. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I always felt really bad about that. I caught the next tour, the Wish Tour. That was the first one I saw. And right before I left New York, my friend Mike Anderson and I saw an amazing show at the Beacon Theater where they played their first three albums in their entirety. And then the first encore was all the other singles up through Head on the Door. Uh, they're on Head on the Door. And then the second encore was all the B-sides of those singles. So that was, that was fantastic. But I've never seen Disintegration in its entirety. I miss the ones in uh, Berlin, obviously, because I'm not in Germany. So it's good. I hope he does that. And I'm trying to find a way to see The Cure this year. They're coming to America. I kind of want to go to Austin City Limits. There's a lot of bands that I've been missing that are playing there this year. So maybe I will pull that. Just two days. I can skip one of the days. Uh, and then I've been listening a lot to a lot of Lock Groove, which was a space rock band from Boston in the 90s. I thought they're really great. May have done one or two shows with them. We did, actually. I know I did. We did a couple. They were just fantastic. They're way better than us. They have two albums and a CD EP. I ordered them all off of Discogs for like a buck each and ripped them and posted them or sent them to a few friends from the day and posted a post on Facebook about Lock Groove and talked to a lot of people. Turns out they're still making music. So I've added all that to my to investigate list, although I haven't listened to any of it yet. So that's all the music I've listened to in the last two weeks. It hasn't been very much because I've been making music, man. TV, uh, let's see, we're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm enjoying it, I think this show could end soon, but it's getting weirder and funnier and kind of like a little bit more experimental, and they're sort of like taking a little bit more cues from their Buffy heritage versus their Marvel heritage, I kind of like it, there's a great episode sort of spoofing Fear and Loathing Las Vegas a couple weeks ago, that was really awesome, and because everybody told me it was the greatest thing in the world, I had to watch Fleabag, I didn't really care at first, but then I was like, well, you know, it's, just because it's women telling you it's the greatest thing in the world doesn't mean you should skip it, you should be on this, so I did, I've watched it, we're only five episodes in uh, but then again we started two days ago so that's not really unreasonable it's solid people weren't lying I, I you know i'll reserve judgment till the end but i do love the fourth wall breaking i like the weirdness of it i'm into narrative weirdness lately so it, it, it's well done it's well done that fifth episode ending was really that's what turned me around it was it was solid let's see saw some movies uh i haven't seen this guy you know i, I was supposed to go to the movie last weekend i was gonna go see rocket man i was like God, i just don't care that much i should really go see it and then i was gonna see bright burn and i was like i just don't care that much and to me i was sort of out of my zone for a while uh so we watched the movies at home we watched always be my maybe which is the ali wong movie and it was really good uh, with a wonderful cameo by Keanu Reeves. And then we watched, uh, rewatched the Lego movie second part, which is actually better than I remember it. The hard thing about that movie is just making another one because when you first see the first one, you're like, oh my God, this is so unlike anything I've ever seen. And by the second one, you're like, this is like all the cartoons and, you know, the novelty wore off and the jokes and the meta. It's all harder to do a second time. And it did not do near as well as the box office. I went opening weeks. I was obsessed with the Lego movie. Uh, but Emma wanted to rewatch it. And you know what? It holds up. It's pretty good. It gets better on the second try. 
And just today, I just got home from the new Jim Jarmusch film, The Dead Don't Die. And if you love narrative weirdness, this is the one for you. <laughs> oh my God, just the cast. Tilda Swinton, uh, the RZA. <laughs> There's so many good puns I just want to tell you, but I won't. Bill Murray. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I'm just chuckling thinking of it. Chloe Svigny. Uh, that guy that plays Kylo Ren that everybody loves. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. It's great. I strongly recommend Tom Waits, Iggy Pop. Uh, yeah, man, it really delivered. Funny movie, funny movie. I just got out of it and I was like, yeah, you good for you, Jim Jarmusch. And of course, the soundtrack is done by Squirrel again, which is Jim Jarmusch's band. I really love the soundtrack to his last film the vampire one and i own that on red vinyl because it's and i listen to it a lot actually so i'm hoping this one comes out on vinyl as well i don't know if i'll buy it though it's very similar to the squirrel one or to the the uh what the hell is that movie called only lovers left alive similar sounding soundtrack but in that movie it was worked into the movie uh, there's a great sturgill simpson thing with this one though that is awesome <laughs> he's actually in the movie as well so you know i loved it solid two thumbs up for the dead don't die open today go see it if you get the chance books uh, i finished the first of those colette novels music hall sidelights that was fine it was good it was fun it was evocative it was like uh fun it was witty it was clever it really like called back a place very short though so you know i moved on pretty quickly finished draw down the most comprehensive plan ever proposed reverse global warming with an introduction by paul hawken of smith and hawken and edited by tom steyer of our wonderful impeachment need to impeach campaign and written by the various members of the drawdown foundation uh it basically just list everything you can like the world could do to reduce its carbon footprint and like do them and the you know quantifies them and tells you which ones are most important and blah 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 number one is refrigeration interestingly so you know make your air conditioners and fridges more efficient turn them up and then number two was wind power solar combined uh combined uh residential and commercial solar coming at like number five but yeah it was great it was a good book i mean that sounds weird, paradoxical. I'd heard somebody said it wasn't all that, so I don't know who that was, and I don't know why. I'm kind of curious. Um, maybe because it doesn't really. It's just like, here's a big list. It's a big list. It's a listicle book, you know. But it's super informative about, like, certain things like concrete and stuff that you kind of wonder about. Cows, animals, pasturing, cropping, stuff like that. And uh, reforestation, ocean forestation. It's got it all, man. So if you want a comprehensive guide to the things we can do. Actually, I ended up feeling pretty, like, optimistic reading that book. I was like, we can do this sort of stuff. There's, like, a single dude in Siberia. I had, I had written an article about this guy that's bringing back some, like, like old horses and people have done a bunch of math and said that like just this guy and these horses and what he's working on could reduce like like carbon monoxide or dioxide in the atmosphere by 10 percent so man if you feel like you can't do anything think of that dude with the horses in siberia right uh so now i'm really reading endless frontier vaniver bush Vanever Bush, that's how you pronounce his name, Vanever Bush. I always thought it was Vanivar Bush, and so did everybody else in his life, apparently, but it's Vanever Bush. He was named after the last name of his father's best friend. Anyway, Endless Frontier, Vanever Bush, Engineer of the American Century by G. Pascal Zachary. Uh, just started it last night, so I'm not very far along. 20 pages, 30 pages. But uh, it's good. I'm already into it. I'm into Vanever Bush. I've been, this book's been on my bookshelf a long time, and the proposed merger between Raytheon and United Technologies reminded me to read it amongst other things later in life after he had run the Manhattan project and basically conceptually invented the internet and computers uh, with an essay called As We May Think and the Invention of the Mechanical Calculator. 
Uh, anyway, later on in his life, he founded Raytheon. So that happened this week, and I was like, oh, yeah, I never read the Vaniver Bush book. Of course, back then, I hadn't started the book, so I didn't know it was pronounced Vaniver. I thought it was pronounced Vanavar, but you know what? I've already learned something in that book, so that's pretty cool. So that's it for books this week. It's going to take me a long time to read that Endless Frontier book. It's in print, so I'm going to be reading it at home. It's 400 pages. Uh, I'm home for two weeks, so hopefully I can finish it before I leave. Uh, and then I'll start something on the Kindle, on the plane. Not sure what that's going to be. And then work. Oh, no, it's going to be the other Jane Jacobs book. That's on the Kindle. I will read that. Death and Life of Great American Cities. And then I'll just read another Colette book. Up my female quotient. Still more female than male authors this year, but you know, I'm two or three male books lately, so I gotta I gotta up the up the 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 lady authors. Uh yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Work in tech. Time hop is going great. We well, you know, we had a dip in revenue for like a week or two and it was kind of stressful. Every time it happens, I'm like, is it going to bounce back? Or, oh, no, God, everything's ruined forever. Uh, you know, May was like our highest month in ages. And June, I was like, oh, this is in the doldrums. But two days ago, it finally bounced back. And looking at my cool dashboard right now. Yeah, it's great again today. So, I mean, maybe we're out of that slump. And, you know, the slump, I think we'd still be kind of break even, but I've been slowly amping up the spend. We, we got a whole thing, a bunch of things we want to spend more money on, right? I need more engineers, need some account people and strategists. I need a marketing head for Nimbus. Uh, I got to spend some more money on user acquisition for TimeHop. I got stuff to do, man, but I'm like funding this company out of revenue because I don't want to raise any more money. So, you know. Uh, every time the revenue dips, I'm like, oh my God, what if I can't do the next thing? And then I like spiral through this whole thing. Like, I'm going to have to talk to VCs and go, oh no, I can't do it. And then, but then it goes away and then the revenue comes back and I'm like, all right, great. So that's what's happening now. Watch the Apple WWDC keynote the other week. It's kind of well-timed because I bought a little iPad 11-inch Pro with a keyboard for work, for meetings and stuff, because I use a Mac Mini at work. Uh, I don't like laptops and I've been in meetings. I've been not been able to, we switched over to this project management software called Monday and it doesn't, you know, it has a phone iOS app, but it's like a little weird. And so I was like, I'm going to get a little, a little iPad and it's awesome. And I love it so much. And I was setting it up on Sunday and then I was like, Oh, this is a little annoying. And this is a little annoying. And then on Monday I watched the, uh, the keynote and they're like, I'm introducing iOS and here's a bunch of things that we're going to fix. I was like, Oh my God, they're going to fix everything that was annoying, but it's so great with a keyboard. It's just like a little laptop. It's like the laptop you want wanted you can alt tab you can go home you can you can you got spotlight it's amazing every every app on your ipad is key commands just hold down the command key and it'll give you a little menu of all the commands i love it you probably already knew all this i haven't used an ipad i mean i have an ipad but i use it to like watch videos and as a remote control for logic i haven't tried to use it with a keyboard as a laptop in like forever since i think generation one so yeah, this little 11-inch iPad Pro with this Logitech backlit keyboard is, like, basically the greatest laptop since the old, original 12-inch MacBook. <laughs> MacBook Pro, and what was that? 12-inch PowerBook, that's what it was. I still have mine. I'm looking at it right now. Anyway, so I got that. Apple Keynote was great. Some other exciting stuff. The Mac Pro looks amazing. Uh, it's interesting. I currently own the most expensive computer Apple has ever made in the highest configuration. And uh, I calculate that this new computer will cost just about three times what this one costs, which is about a year and four months old. This computer has 18 cores and it has a gigabyte of RAM. 
<laughs> Radeon Pro Vega 16 gig card. Uh, I'm sorry, I lied. 128 gigabytes of RAM, 60, 18 core processor. It's just a beast. It's the most amazing computer ever made. And then they're up there on stage and they're like, okay, well, you know, that's probably not enough cores. What if you got 24 cores? What if you get like four tera a terabyte of RAM? It's just insane. <laughs> Things insane. I predict it'll cost over $35,000 when it's fully maxed out. But uh, I don't think I'm going to buy that one, even if I like won the lottery. This one here I bought when I won the, like, I got an investment back. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to buy it. I don't need it. This one still will be amazing for like five more years. But man, that thing is beautiful. And uh, hats off to the people that get to use that thing in their work, right? Uh, and then anyway, some local tech news. Everybody's been obsessed with this company called Compost Now. It's like a composting service in the Triangle area, and they take your composting away. And I heard about them. People are next door, like I want them in my neighborhood. It reminds me of like when Google totally pretended that they were going to bring fiber to the to the Triangle, and then just bailed on us all. So anyway, I read this amazing article about Compost Now, and it turns out that Compost Now is just a collection service. And they take it all to one of America's only commercial composting farms that is, it turns out it's in my county. It's called Brooks Consult, uh, Consulting, weird name, right? Brooks Consulting, but it is just a giant composting farm. And like all the, they have deals with the different counties. They have a deal with Durham County. They have a deal with Wake County. And it's like one of the only ones in America, this innovative, cool composting thing. So that was really awesome. I kind of want to take a field trip there. I'm sure it would stink, but you know, we don't really need it. I was composting when we first moved in, but then we installed a garbage disposal. So now all our organic matter just goes into the garbage disposal and then into our lawn and compost, basically, our lawn. I read a really extensive book about septic systems, and they are much more powerful with this stuff than you think. Uh, our contractor, the guy that built the house and lived in it before us, was like, oh, I didn't put a garbage disposal in because you can't do it with septic. But I read the, like, the authoritative guide to septic systems, and they're like, yeah, it's fine. You can do anything. And so uh, that's what we do. We don't have to compost anymore. Uh, so, But I'm still very fascinated in this place, Brooks Consulting, and I want to go check it out. Uh, let's see. And then I think uh, the other tech topic I will talk about this week is a, the SEC's uh, complaint, suit, criminal investigation, indictment. I don't know if they've been indicted yet uh, against Kick, the messaging service and their ICO of the Kin coin that happened two years ago. I read the SEC's complaint and I read Kin's response to their complaint. And I think Kin wins. I'm no fan of any real cryptocurrencies, really, and I'm no not particularly into Kick or anything, but they had the stronger argument. And the there are some glaring giant problems in the SEC's complaint, most notably that they consider Bitcoin and Ether to be currencies and then yet the entire complaint about kin was about its launch and then they did never accounted for why now that it is clearly being used as a currency by 20 or 30 apps how it's any different than bitcoin because they didn't compare and contrast it to bitcoin's launch or ether's launch ether would be more similar because everybody was buying ether for speculatively at launch which is their argument about these guys and they just didn't bring it up they just didn't bring any of that up so that's a, that's a real problem uh but yeah those are both pretty interesting uh you know uh, i found it kind of weird that the this is happening but I, I when i first heard about it i was like oh my god that company should have settled but I kind of get why they wouldn't settle because they expect them to give back a hundred million dollars that they raised pretty much fair and square. Uh, oh, and the other thing is like they had a lot of lawyers, they had auditors from Ernst and Young and the SEC uses as evidence against them that they didn't launch in certain jurisdictions where they thought it was clearly illegal, namely New York, China, and Canada. 
And I was like, kind of a weird argument that like, well, this was clearly illegal because you knew it was illegal in those places. It's like, so you, you were doing illegal things. It's like, no, evidence that they didn't do it in places where they knew it was illegal is not really evidence that they knew it was illegal. You know, what I mean? it's really weak arguments. I don't really know how that's going to fly. Uh, but, you know, I pity anyone that has to take that case to a jury trial, right? Yeah, anyway, that's about all I got. Uh, you know, this is the project section I do next normally, but I think I've been babbling enough about my project, which is basically I'm just doing songwriting right now. Uh, you know, I have been working on my band book a little bit here and there. It's been kind of nice, but that's about it. I added a bunch of new Google alerts. I got one for carbon sequestration. That's been yielding some good results. I added that paleontologist's name in Wyoming that found like all those amazingly preserved dinosaurs. So I've been getting some good new Google alerts, mix it up a little bit, you know, but um, nothing really amazing coming in on those. Oh, there's a good one today. I haven't actually looked at it. Yeah, apparently David Remnick is interviewing uh, Robert Caro. It's probably the last of the promotional tour for Robert Caro's working. Hopefully David Remnick could get something different out of him. I've sort of tailed off on my reading of these interviews because Robert Caro just says the same stories over and over again like any other old guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. place this the songwriting has really helped me with you know this end of the world climate doom trump thing so uh you know m maybe i can just have one chipper podcast that'll be all right right yeah thanks for listening i'll talk to you guys soon have a lovely weekend bye